0: You're listening to episode 142 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to give you 16 tips on how to deal with a bad marathon. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got the Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational, and let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners, and welcome to episode 142, and hello Ryan. Hello Liddy. How's it going?
1: Doing well, how about you?
0: Very, very good.
1: So what was the inspiration for this podcast
0: Yes, this podcast was inspired by a half marathon gone bad (laughs) from last weekend. So last weekend, I raced the Celebration Marathon or Half Marathon, and we're going to talk about that at the end of the episode, and it was just not my day. It was just not good. I ran out of gas, and I had a few friends I was traveling with that did the full marathon, and same thing happened to them. They had a bad marathoning day, so that's what inspired it.
1: So it's kind of an impromptu podcast podcast.
0: Yes, absolutely. And before we hop into that, we're Ryan and Letty. We do weekly marathon running episode, or marathon running podcast topic episodes where we talk about things just like today, you know, tips on how you guys can do better with your training.
1: That was quite the tongue twister.
0: It was. I still don't know if I said it right, but oh well, moving on.
1: (laughs) So what are your tips?
0: Yeah, so, well, first we're going to talk about this in two parts. The first part is going to be discussing what your options are when you're in a race and you're having a bad day and how to manage. And then the second part is going to be how to deal with it after you finish that marathon or half marathon, whatever that race is. So the obvious when you're in a situation like a marathon run, you can do two things. One is you can stop, and the other option is that you can keep going. So before you decide on one of them, we'll ask yourself why you want to quit, right? So is it because you went out too fast and you're running out of gas? Or is it because you're just tired? Another question to ask yourself, but is it because you're doing bad fueling, you're not really helping your body? Is it because you're having an injury? Is it because of other outside factors such as the weather or you weren't anticipating being affected by the hills of the marathon or other conditions? Um, maybe there's gravel. And then the last question to ask yourself, perhaps it's a mixture of all of the above.
1: If you ask yourself enough questions, you might finish the race before you answer them.
0: <laughs> that's right. So maybe that's that should be a tip.
1: <laughs> that's one tip number one. <laughs>
0: So yeah, anyway, so then um, once you consider those two options, stopping or keeping on going, m- make sure that you do the one that makes the most sense. So reasons to stop, number one, the most obvious is if you're injured. If you're injured, then running on an injury is probably just going to make it worse, right? That's an easy answer. Yes. So another reason to stop, in my opinion, is if you have time goals and it's just not your day, then stop. Stop. If you think that you can do better and you had a hard training cycle and this is not a reflection of your training, it might be smart to stop because the marathon distance can do a number on your body and your muscles and recovery time can shorten, can be shortened by you if you don't do all the miles, you don't run the whole 26 miles, which is basically why you wouldn't run all the miles. So... You know, get over it. Don't think about what people think of you. If you drop out, um, just think about the fact that you might just want to do a do-over at the next race and get a true reflection of your fitness level.
1: We do a lot of times encourage people to finish a race. If you're not feeling it and stuff, just enjoy it. Like stop, take pictures, walk. You know, don't don't push yourself. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the experience. Enjoy the the location, the scenery, everything.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point and I didn't even think about that earlier. I had a friend of mine that was supposed to run New York, well, he actually he ran New York and he's a sub 3 hour marathoner. He's consistently run sub 3 hour marathons. I can't even say that sub 3 hour marathons since I've known him and at New York he ran, you know, in the high 340s and I asked him what happened and he said it was just not my day. So, I'm not going to stay in it it's mediocre. I'm just going to enjoy it.
1: I mean, it's a kind of a way of dropping out To It's so a dropping out from your um, competition level, I guess. You know, regardless of the circumstance, if you slow down significantly, it decreases your chance of injury. It decreases the difficulty overall. I mean, I guess you have to do it for longer, but it could potentially decrease the difficulty. And I think that, you know, that might be all you need to just kind of get through it if that's what you want to do.
0: Yes, not dropping out all the way, but just dropping your goal, your competitive goal and going with the goal of finishing, so to speak, your B goal is a good idea. Because in that way, you are also not putting yourself in a position where you're stressing your body too hard. It's more kind of like a long run and maybe recovery will be easier. Yeah, that was a good one. So with that said, let's move into when you should keep going. So obviously, we're not giving you uh, advice to keep going if you're injured and all that stuff. But if this is your first marathon and you want to do the whole one and done thing, then maybe you should just keep going and... Work through something hard because a marathon is something that's hard for you, for everybody, and you'll come out on the other side and you feel super accomplished that you just finished that distance. So, another point, another reason to keep going is, um, when you're doing the major, the major world marathons, there's those six major world marathons and they are Chicago, Boston, New York, London, Berlin and Tokyo and they're super hard to get into most of them are and you'll really sometimes only get one chance because they have those crazy lotteries and in that case I would say if you're not injured just push through it because you don't get that completion check mark that you finished you don't get the six stars what they call it and if that's your goal then just you know really try to stick with it so um So that's the last one I have. Ryan, do you have any other reasons for people to keep going and finishing a marathon when they kind of feel like they're done running?
1: Uh, You already alluded to it, but if you need to get back to your car (laughs) or you need to get back to your friend or you're stuck. I mean, I know the big bear race that you had, there really wasn't even an option. So you basically, all right, well, I got to get down.
0: Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. I I was running the big bear and we did a recap on that. But I was at one point I was running so hard that I felt like I was done with running. I hated running (laughs) and I just wanted to get back to the car. However, the road we're running on was the one downhill and there was no way of getting off the course and getting an Uber. So it would have made it too hard. You have to finish it anyway. You have to somehow get to the finish line. So, you know. But again, I also wasn't injured. I was just kind of done.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess if you needed to, you could probably have waited. But that would have been a long wait in potentially cold weather.
0: Yeah, exactly. So if you find yourself in that boat where you keep going, we're going to give you some tips on how to manage making it through. So one of them would be to visualize crossing that finish line, no matter at what time. Think about how healthy you are to be here in the first place and then picture what it's going to be like the rest of the day when you do all those things, grabbing lunch, celebrating, and you're wearing your medal. (laughs) That always helps me when I'm picturing the aftermath and how it's going to feel good and I only have to hang in for a little bit longer.
1: Maybe you can uh, elaborate on the experience of walking around the city with the medal on for the people that maybe have not done a marathon.
0: <laughs> it does feel a little bit ridiculous, <laughs> but it's also kind of fun. I mean, I'm not that big on wearing the medal. I always wear the finisher race t-shirt after the marathon because it, I don't know, makes me feel good. Um I feel like my stomach always hurts after a marathon, so that heavy medal bouncing against my belly it doesn't feel that great but people will yell congratulations at you and you'll yell it back and you'll see someone day look at you you look at them you have like this little connection with people that you don't even know because you ran a marathon and they did too you went through that same experience so it's really something that I find kind of cool I don't know what it's like for my family that walks with me <laughs> <laughs> So what else? Another thing that you can do if you decide to keep running is remind yourself of your progress. Because the overall progress in your running journey, like you overcame an injury or you had a hard training cycle um, and how you even made it to the starting line, that's something that has kept me going in the past before. And again, just like the first tip of visualizing the success um, and remembering how you got there, all that kind of plays on the whole gratitude, which I think gratitude is a great thing to practice. It'll keep you more positive also in regular life.
1: The glass is half full.
0: The glass is always half full and there's always somebody with less water. So enjoy your water while you've got it. That's a cool saying. I just made that up. (laughs) I should patent that. Anyway next next would be to reframe your pain so instead of feeling or telling yourself that you suck you should tell yourself that this is what happens when you gain fitness so when I'm running around and I'm you know almost dry heaving and I can't breathe I tell myself this is what it takes to get fit and something super interesting when you're talking to yourself is I read that you're supposed to talk to yourself in the second person do you know why that would be Ryan no well, I, I looked it up and it says when you're referring to yourself in a second or third person it can feel like you're talking to another person. It can provide some emotional distance in situations where you feel stressed. So I think it kind of goes along with the whole you're always harder on yourself than you are on other people. When you talk to other people, you do it from a place of kindness, from a place of how you want them to be better. So when I'm encouraging you, I'm probably nicer than when I'm encouraging myself in my head. So when you twist it and talk to yourself in the second person, you kind of reach that.
1: Yeah, it potentially could work. Yeah. So Letty, what's next on your list?
0: So next on the list would be to break your race down into smaller chunks. And we've talked about that before, instead of thinking of it as, oh my gosh, I have to run 26 miles. Um, I only do increments of like a half marathon or, you know, a 10K. If that doesn't work, you can go even smaller. You can be like, oh, I'm just going to run for the duration of this song and I'm going to run to the beat or I'm going to run to the next corner just to kind of play with, you know, play do a mind game with yourself to break it up.
1: That makes it easy a lot of times. Like I know even when you're training, you know, a couple of times you did – you know, six miles in the morning, six miles in the afternoon. So it feels like six miles, but really you did 12, you know, in the day. And so if you do the same, you know, a similar type of thing, it's just a mind trick, but yeah, you can say, oh, I only, let's get to, it's only two miles until the halfway mark or, you know, and you can keep going along that, that path and just renewing those short goals to trick yourself into thinking you'll be finished with your next goal in a short bit of time rather than finished in, 26 miles
0: yes absolutely it helps so the next
1: one on your list is kind of funny so i want you to tell us
0: so distract yourself and look for things such as playing i spy by yourself (laughs) i wonder if anyone else does it but it works for me I do it during training runs too, you know, when I get kind of the monotony of running gets to me and then I say, I spy something red (laughs) and I look for something red.
1: I was picturing you do that in my head and that's what I was laughing at, but yeah.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Do whatever works best for you to distract yourself, right?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So that's it for the first part. So the second part is going to be how to deal with a marathon after the race is done. So the very obvious tip here would be to learn from your mistakes. So you can go analyze your training after you've gone, you know, through the cycle of grieving and all that stuff. (laughs) Give yourself time, forgive yourself and then analyze what happened. So that way it doesn't happen again in the future. So did you go out too fast? Is that why you ran out of gas or were you just tired? Did you not taper off? well enough? Did you not fuel enough during the race or even carbo load beforehand? Or did you have a nagging injury? Or did you aggravate an injury? Or did the weather not agree with you? Did you not look at the course and see that there's a lot of hills? Or is it a mixture of all of the above?
1: That's true. And just for people that don't know, you know, the stages of grief, which are relative... (laughs) you know to this conversation but denial then anger then bargaining then depression and then acceptance just for fun let's like you know role play this through all right you can deny that that was your time
0: i didn't do that the gps was off my chip is wrong <laughs> <laughs> which sounds
1: exactly like you by the way <laughs> and then the next is anger which you know that that's an except that's that's probably a typical one you know you're angry with yourself because you didn't do a great job just don't take it out on others around you it's bad self-talk take it out on the banana that you get after the race (laughs) and then the next is bargaining so how would that go
0: he could go call the race director and say that wasn't really my time (laughs) i didn't run with this bib somebody it was a bib mule running with my bib my bib was stolen
1: (laughs) That, that's kind of still in denial, though, too. I mean, I guess you could bargain with yourself that next time you'll do better and you'll get a reward or something.
0: That's true. That's very true.
1: And then depression.
0: You know, You know, there is something about post-marathon depression. When you have poured your entire life into this marathon cycle for six months and then your marathon is over, and we've had an episode on that before, all of a sudden you feel purposeless. So add on top of that a bad result. I know this is kind of funny how we are talking about it, but I do know how crappy it would feel to go through a training cycle and then have a bad result. probably does suck.
1: And that's why these are the stages of grief, and they are relevant. But once you get through those, and you can understand that those or parts of those might happen, you can get on to the final stage which is acceptance you accept you did a bad job and you move on which relates to kind of what you've been talking about
0: yes going back back to the drawing board exactly
1: so if you drop out and you're still motivated to do better you can go find yourself another marathon and start planning for the next race
0: yeah and that's especially true if you dropped out because you want a redo with this same uh, amount of fitness that you're already at so basically you're just looking at this marathon as a long run that you did it didn't go as well but it doesn't really matter find yourself a marathon you know give yourself i don't know how many weeks they say two three weeks or whatever you feel like where your body is recovered and then you can uh sign up for that and try to do better so when you do go back to the drawing board think about the race and the outside factors. And if that's the reason why you didn't race well, then pick a race that's more likely agreeing with your training, your terrain, your weather, and make sure that you pick that for the future. If you've gone out too fast, then make sure that you think about your strategy a little bit better. You know, I know we're all supposed to do negative splits, which means to run the second half of a race faster than the first race, which is super hard to do. I think I've done it once. And, um, you know, there's also, con- there's also controversial because it doesn't always happen. Obviously also depends on the uh, race terrain and all that stuff. But think about why you went out too fast. Were you overconfident? What happened? And make sure that next time you are more aware of all those factors as well. Another reason, um, that a lot of people actually drop out is because they hit the wall. And Ryan, you were looking up the whole wall hitting.
1: So I guess it's an idiom is to become completely exhausted, fatigued, or worn out. I hit the wall after only the first mile of the race. I could barely even walk for the rest of it. That's using it in a sentence.
0: Well, that usually doesn't happen that early. I think if you hit the wall at the first mile, then something else is going on. Normally, we hit the wall around mile 20, and that is because we've depleted ourselves of glycogen. So fun fact, the body can store only 2000 calories. Obviously, it varies from person to person. 2000 calories of glycogen, which is usually used up around 20 miles. And then for six miles plus, your body has to use fat for fuel. And that's why we hit the wall, because we're not used to going from one to the other. It makes it kind of hard So for that reason, here are also some tips on how to push through that wall. The first tip would be to train high mileage. It seems like when you do that, you would get your body used to depleting itself of glycogen. Is that something that you think your body can learn to do better, store more glycogen? Or you think that number is a pretty hard number? Is there a way of increasing our own glycogen storey storage?
1: I don't know, actually. I I mean, there's probably a relatively, um, set limit because it's like stored in your liver other places too. But, um, I'm sure it might, might vary slightly. But regardless, by training high mileage, you can increase your efficiency and increasing your efficiency on how to use the amount of glycogen you have can make it last longer too. So, um, for it's a good example is like holding your breath underwater, you know, like it, if you hold your breath underwater, you have an urge to breathe relatively quickly. But if you train for it and you do like um, free diving training stuff, you're just getting your body used to rising levels of CO2 because you can accept, your body can accept quite a bit more than what you might want to do initially. And so people can hold their breath for quite a long time if they train for it. And it's just getting used to it mostly.
0: huh. Interesting. So another point is to carbo load before your marathon. And that I'm assuming is because you are making sure that you are storing as, my, as much glycogen as possible.
1: Well, you probably wouldn't want to do like a a keto diet in, you know, right before a marathon where you don't have any carbs or you have any deficiency in your glycogen glycogen storage. I mean, you're certainly going to be burning a lot of calories the next day, so you would want that to be full. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to eat like a 4,000 calorie pasta meal because that's probably more than you're going to be able to store. But, you know, there probably is some truth into at least making sure that those glycogen storages are full.
0: So yeah, and I agree, and uh, another tip is also to practice your fueling strategies for the race. I know that it's hard to do, but they always say don't do anything new on race. They do something that your body can rely on, something that you're used to doing all the time. And when you're doing your long runs before the marathon, play with different fuels, see which ones agree with your stomach. I know that your stomach tends to get more sensitive later on in the miles. And if you've practiced and you find a gel that works for you, then just carry those with you and make sure that you take those gels about 20 to 30 minutes um, earlier. And then have a regimen of when you take them during the race. And that way you never really feel like you're running out of glycogen. So that's it for the first part. Those are our tips on how to deal with a bad marathon during and after. And now we're going to do a quick little race recap of the celebration marathon.
1: So Letty, this is the race where you hit the wall.
0: So let's hop into that.
1: Okay so you traveled tell us about the 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 day before the race travel pick up packet hotel room
0: all right. Perfect. So day before the race, I traveled with three other friends. We carpooled total of four people in the car. It was cool. It was awesome because I know these guys very well. Um, it was a fun road trip up to Celebration, which is right by Orlando. It is part of Disney. So when we got there, it kind of looked like Disney, even though it wasn't, um, you know, the houses and everything was super cute. There was no expo, but they did have a packet pickup in a park, which was really cool. We got cool swag because this race actually gives you blankets and they're super fluffy blankets and our kids are fighting over them right now or over it right now, I should say, because they only got one blanket. So from there, we checked into our hotel, Hotel Celebration Melia, which is a very nice hotel um, with a huge pool in the middle and, of course, a hot tub because I love to sit in the hot tub if possible anywhere when I travel especially before race and after race so since so many of our local runners from our running group here traveled up there and most of us were staying at the same hotel we on a whim decided to have our dinner there had our dinner it was okay and then we went to bed basically after hot tubbing, of course
1: so you went with 10 people total
0: maybe 12 something like that
1: Okay, so there's 12 people from Southwest Ford area.
0: Yeah, it was kind of cool. That's cool. Yeah. All right.
1: So then race day, everyone's huddling together, or do you guys kind of separate?
0: Well, we drove there together. Tasha, who got injured, she was supposed to run this race. She was generous enough to get up early and drive us, which was awesome, because there was like all 12 or 20 of us huddled in the car, however many we were. <laughs> and we got to the starting line they had a live dj it was still dark it was good vibes we huddled together lost each other and then all of us just eventually must have gone to the starting line because that's where we all had to go uh wished each other good luck and off we went
1: and so i like to break it up first half second half just because it gives you somewhat of an order to go on but is there any memorable parts to the first half
0: I mean, it was a beautiful course, but again, beautiful doesn't necessarily mean it was a fast course. I went by a lot of houses. It was nice to see the sun go up. And um, there was one area where you had to run into a stadium and do the 400s and then keep going. And it was cool, but at the same time, there was a lot of areas where you had to hop over boardwalks and there was gravel and um, it it just kind of slowed it down. seemed Um, Well, I guess we'll get to that now because you're going to ask me about the second half, right? Second half had a lot of boardwalks, which were windy, which made it hard to, one, go fast, but two, also to let other runners pass you.
1: So the first half you saw the sunrise, you were feeling pretty good? Feeling pretty good. Um, At what point did you hit the wall that you described? What What time? you
0: (laughs) ask? It was right at the beginning of the second half when I start running those boardwalks and you want me to tell you how it happened? Well how'd it happen? So right when I did the stadium and then got onto the boardwalk, it was at mile six point five. I honestly thought my watch because I was had been going a pretty fast pace, I thought my watch's GPS didn't work anymore because it just showed us 30 seconds slower. And I kept running that pace and I thought, oh that must be it. But then once we went back out to the street, that GPS never recovered. And I realized also that I felt like somebody had stabbed me into the stomach. I had severe stomach pain. I was running kind of hinged over. And that lasted for a good five miles until mile 11. And then once I was around mile 11, I started to feel better. So I tried to pick up the pace again. And boom, there it went again. I felt like I was being stabbed in the stomach. That that was... Uh, To answer your question, that was (laughs) right when I hit the wall.
1: So did you use any of our tips from today?
0: Um, I mean, kind of, I guess. I decided, you know, it's a half marathon. I can finish it without really hurting myself. Um, I was just, my stomach was hurting and I knew it was probably side stitches or dehydration or something, even though I'd never had it before. I wasn't going to die from it, but I definitely couldn't run that pace. So I just ran it in and tried to play I Spy with myself.
1: (laughs) He didn't play I Spy.
0: Yeah, I played I Spy. I said I Spy somebody passing me. I Spy somebody <laughs> wearing something red, and you know it was it was kind of demoralizing. People kept passing me, and then later on I realized, you know, for the full marathon people had to do two loops, and I realized after I had finished the race that some of them that had passed me. We're full marathoners, which <laughs> made me feel even worse. But I don't know. There's nothing I could have done except for maybe look into nutrition, hydrating better. Because um, they're saying online, at least Mr. Google says, that stabbing pain in the stomach could be from dehydration. And I remember not really drinking that much this week.
1: Because Dr. Google is the best source of information.
0: Well, I mean, you know.
1: There's probably lots of reasons why I could have had cramping pains in your stomach.
0: Really? Such as what? Your body
1: typically goes to like two different mechanisms, like the fight or flight, sympathetic and parasympathetic. Sympathetic is like the fight or flight, so like when you're running or running away from someone and your blood is shunted from your internal organ or your, you know, visceral organs like your stomach and things like that that do digestion and stuff to your skeletal muscle to help you escape. Um, but then also when you're parasympathetic then your body is shunting the blood and stuff to help your body digest food and things like that. So that's why sometimes they say, don't go swimming after you eat or something like that. It's like if your stomach and stuff is working and it's digesting stuff, but then all of a sudden you shunt the blood away from it, it can cause crampy pains and stuff.
0: Oh, so I must have told my body I'm in severe flight mode because I know I was going out too fast for my current fitness level. So that's probably what happened. Yeah. But there was no pain afterwards, which um, I don't know if you guys remember this, listeners. I used to have severe stomach pains after marathons that wouldn't start until after. And I f- figured, you know, by trial that if I drink caffeine a lot, then that's what happens to me. Um, so I've been staying away from that. So there was no uh, stomach pain afterwards. So so yeah, so that's that. And
1: then you finished. Then I finished. Um, and I don't know what you feel about. But you're telling me that after the race, you have a lot of food options and things like that. And I kind of like that personally. I think that's kind of cool when you're done, besides just the bananas and apples or other stuff, but you actually had like legitimate food.
0: Yeah. So, you know, that goes to tell you the the race itself, the course is probably not a fast, not a great course. Also, it's Florida. So it's unpredictable weather. It got hot and muggy. Um, But... The organization of this race was great from, you know, like I told you, the, the swag that they gave you. And then afterwards, they gave you a postcard looking card where you would have eight or nine vendors on there. You had mimosas, you had mickle of ultralight beer, you had eight different types of food, donut holes, and what are those things called? The French toast sticks. Have you ever heard of that? I hadn't.
1: Uh, yeah, I have. But I don't know if they're called anything besides just what you said.
0: Yeah, and then they also had beans and rice and salad and pizza, balls and things like that. So it was it was really cool. I think they did a great uh, organization for this race. That's cool. Yeah, so that was that.
1: And so you came home demoralized.
0: I mean, not really. I know what happened. I know I went out too fast, but I had a reality check of, you know... Uh, fitness level and what I need to do to get better so um, I don't know I've posted on Instagram about this but I don't know if anyone else does this do you do this that once February 1st comes you rework your New Year's resolutions and you give yourself a second chance
1: (laughs) I don't I'm not a big New Year's resolution type of person I try to do good all year round I guess but I don't like think I don't know
0: well, I did. And I have decided to, you know, I, I did start training in January and I'm taking it serious, but I'm also incorporating strength training and um, some other things into into running. And then, you know, next race is going to be Boston, maybe a half here and there, but that's what I'm going to train for and hopefully do better and continue researching tips. And we will share them with you guys, you listeners, you know, just to help everybody have a successful next run.
1: So when you first realized you were going slow, did you go into denial?
0: (laughs) I did. I actually did blame it on my GPS
1: watch. (laughs) (laughs) So you went through the stages of grief?
0: I mean, during the race, maybe. Have you accepted it yet? Yes, I've I've taken acceptance and responsibilities, and I'm not dwelling on it. My cycles of grief are usually very quick. I'm big on moving on and learning from experiences, so that's good.
1: Would you do the race again?
0: I would maybe do it again as a training run.
1: So on a Letty scale, we don't have a lot of half marathon scales, but what would you rate it?
0: I mean, I'd probably give it still a 10 because I love the whole experience and I learned something from it. So you you should know better than having me rate races because they're usually pretty high up there.
1: I know. It's just kind of fun.
0: Yeah. So that's it for today's episode. Anything else from you, Ryan? Any more tips or any more comments? I got nothing. All right. Until next time.
1: Have a good week of running.
0: Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.